Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Nats Town. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports page at FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington from Federal Baseball. I've got Dave Nichols from the District Sports page on the line. And Dave, been a odd 24 hours in Nats Town. Everyone waiting for Bud Black to get the job. You went to bed early last night. You didn't realize that he was all of a sudden out of the running. And Dusty Baker was discussing a deal. By the time it was Everyone woke up this morning, 8 o'clock, the Nationals sent out a press release. Dusty Baker, new manager in the nation's capital. Uh, the job, as of last week, was apparently Bud Black's to lose, but when it came down to negotiations, the initial offer of a one-year, $1.6 million deal that's being reported out there, which is a little more than they just paid Nate McLeod to not pay for them and buy out his contract. So I can understand why Bud Black didn't necessarily like that. Just Start there, I guess. It's kind of a non-starter when you go into negotiations with an eight and a, half, a veteran of eight and a half years on the bench in the majors and offer him a one-year deal. He has, you know, that's just no job security. You're going to be in there as a lame duck to start with, and I'm sure there were incentives in everything that he could have earned another year. But when you start with that offer, one year, one point six million dollars, that's kind of a non-starter for discussions, isn't it? It really is, and, and since I'm a Pacific Coast guy and, and, a, and a late guy, late night guy anyway, I was up for all of the uh, um, the strangeness last night, and uh, it, it really, um, really was a peculiar uh, few hours there when we went from uh, the Nats are negotiating with Bud Black to all of a sudden, um, you know, Bud Black was uh, um, insulted by the offer that he received, and, and the Nets were going to turn back to Dusty Baker, and then uh, and then this morning the press release saying that he was hired. Just um, just a, a truly bizarre set of circumstances, and um, obviously neither you or I were in the room, and, and most of the people doing the reporting on this uh, weren't in the room as well, but um, according to the reports and according to the sources that had knowledge of the situation, um, I, I mean, this obviously has uh, the ownership's you know, timestamp all over it. Um, you know, they, they notoriously um, are budget conscious when hiring managers anyway. Um, but the idea of offering an an inexperienced manager a one-year contract with options um, <laughs> is, is really ridiculous, But let alone uh, a veteran manager uh, to offer him a one-year deal to come in to manage your team is really um, unrealistic. And, and I'm not going to be – I'm not going to use insulting words – um, like a lot of people are throwing around um, on the anonymous internets, but um, but it's really unrealistic to think that you can offer anybody um, any type of manager a one-year contract to come in and, and manage your team, um, regardless of how many team options there might be on the backside. Now, um, obviously, uh, you know I'm sure there were there were further negotiations and. Uh, you know, who knows if, if a two-year deal was even mentioned or a multi-year deal. But what we know is is that Dusty Baker did receive a multi-year deal. Um, so you have to think that that at, at some point the Nats felt more comfortable with Dusty Baker as the manager uh, than Bud Black. And, and there are all sorts of, of theories floating around there that Dusty Baker was the guy that Mike Rizzo wanted to, to begin with. Um, they didn't offer him enough money, so they turned to Bud Black to see if Black would take a one-year deal. When that didn't happen, they went back to Baker. Um, you know that that's as plausible a scenario as any. But um, but but the bottom line is is that this um, is another further example of the dysfunction that's going on at Nats Park right now uh, with regards to 
um, how the organization is making their decisions and who's making those decisions for them. And the scenario you just spun there is what John Heyman reported this afternoon as well, breaking down what happened after the, over the last week or plus, week plus. But pardon me for just reading here because this is kind of interesting what he gets into. He says there was early word that some of the organization favored Baker and if things appeared to be headed his way. According to Nat's connected sources, the initial salary discussions with Baker began with an immense gap, thus bringing Black into the picture. But after Black got that one-year, $1.6 million offer, which eventually, Heyman says, went up to two, Black still wanted the job, but by early Friday, when the sides were still apart, he he called to tell them he was bowing out. That wasn't the end of it. Later Friday night, I suppose, Nationals GM Mike Rizzo called Black to try to work things out, and the sides restarted talks. Black and the Nats talked over the next couple of days with proposals and counter proposals exchanged. However, after Black, who had originally sought a three-year deal, didn't exactly didn't quickly accept the next offer, and instead apparently countered it. It's believed the Nationals came off the straight one-year offer talked about offers with options and buyouts and may have gotten up to two guaranteed years at some point. The Nats then turned back to Baker. Black was said to be awaiting a possible call from the team last night to see where things stood, but he didn't hear from the team until around 9 p.m. his time, which is around midnight our time on the East Coast here when all this nonsense started coming out in the press. Uh, Rizzo called him at that point to say that said to have called to tell him they were going in another direction and to apologize for all the twists and turns. So Bud Black, Bud, Bud Black just kind of left hung out to dry here. They're negotiating with him the whole time. They can't work out a deal. They go back to Baker. He apparently is taking, willing to take what they're offering. And you know, after a week after it was reported that Bud Black is going to get this job, now we have uh, Dusty Baker as a manager. And I, I don't know what you're thinking. You mentioned it obviously that Baker, Baker was maybe Rizzo's original choice, but they weren't going to meet his demands. I think he played uh, last managed on a two-year, $8 million deal, so he's taking a pay cut here on a two-year deal. Uh, Bob Nightingale, USA Today, is reporting it's a two-year, $3.5 million deal, but he obviously wants to get back in the game. So what do you think of him essentially, inevitably, you know, ultimately going here with Baker, a 66-year-old veteran of 20 years on the bench who has the experience they were looking for, a lot more experience than Bud Black, but just – really a mess over the last 24 hours and the last week behind the scenes, apparently. Yeah, and, and you know, it just took you three or four minutes just to read those couple of paragraphs, and it's just <laughs> it's confusing. It's as confusing as it was to start with. I mean, um, you know, this isn't how teams normally do business, um, you know, when when hiring a manager. I mean, when, when, when the reports surfaced last week, the Nets were going to hire – uh, by Black, it was a logical choice. Um, he has Black has a very strong track record. He's a veteran manager with a pitch with a player and then a pitching coach, uh, well respected uh, within the industry and by his players. Um, it, it seemed like it seemed like a, a no brainer. Um, Dusty Baker um, is very similar in those regards. He is a, a veteran manager, uh, was a long time player, um, a long time manager. He's got. Uh, um, 20 years managing in, in, in the business. I mean, this is not a guy that that, that is without experience. Um, there is there there are a lot of uh, um, negative connotations with, with Dusty Baker. Obviously, he was the manager um, when when Kerry Wood and, and Mark Pryor were injured with the Cubs. Um, he managed uh, Barry Bonds and Jeff Kent with with the Giants. Um, he managed some Reds teams. He made the playoffs. Never made the play or made the playoffs with them. Um, but but never seemed to fulfill um, the talent that they had there. Um, there are 
Um, their research reports say that the, the Baker gets the most out of his hitters, um, but maybe not so much with his pitchers. Um, you know, these are the things that we should be talking about with the managerial hire, debating on, um, you know, whether you, you prefer his, his style over, over somebody else's as opposed to um, what we've done now for the, for the first half of the show, debating um, how we got here as opposed to who they picked. So um, <laughs> it's, uh, um, it, it's an interesting scenario. Uh, Dusty Baker obviously is, is polarizing. Um, obviously he's an old school manager, uh, the type of guy that you can imagine Mike Rizzo really being psyched to add to this team. Um, there are, uh, accolades flowing in, um, across major league baseball from, from players and, and media about how this is a great hire for the Nats if they had done this to begin with, as opposed to this whole saga here. So, um, it, it's interesting to see, um, the, the national media response to, um, to everything that, that's gone on here. I mean, the, 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 there were applause, the applause for, for the manager or the hiring of Baker, applause for the managing of, of, of Dusty Baker. Um, but, but obviously um, there's also the criticism of how things went on. Yeah, if there was a split, which a lot of people are speculating between the front office and the ownership about you know the baseball people, what they wanted, I can't decide which way it would go. If Rizzo would be more inclined to go with Bud Black, who is a little bit younger, maybe doesn't have the track record, but is known to handle pitching real well. This is a team that's based on pitching. They have a great staff. They're going to have to build up their bullpen, but you imagine they're going to put together a decent bullpen for Dusty Baker here. Well, I can't decide which side would have wanted each if there was a split. It might just be, you know, different people wanted different things in the office. It might not have been that big a split, you know, right down the middle between the front office and the baseball people. But it's just Dusty Baker, of course, has a reputation as an arm ruiner. Uh, you know, whether that's fair at all, overblown or it's outdated at this point, he has that reputation coming in. He also is known for not being terribly saber inclined. A lot of people are not going to like the looking back at hitters he put in the leadoff spot. Not necessarily big on putting high OBP guys up there. Is a you know the history that we have with him, and maybe you know who knows how what what he's changed in the last couple of years. How his thinking has changed if he's taken the time off to get more interested in sabermetrics and kind of brush up on that sort of stuff coming into here because you know that Rizzo in the Nationals front office is big on that. But going into this, uh, Theodore and Lerner, the manager, managing principal owner, says we're looking for a manager to help us achieve our ultimate goal of competing for a World Series. During our broad search process, we met with many qualified candidates. Ultimately, it was clear that Dusty's deep experience was best fit for the ball club. Mike Rizzo says, I'm so pleased to welcome Dusty Baker to the Nationals family and getting to know Dusty and identifying what we wanted in the next on-field leader of our team. We're excited to have him on board his experience as a winning player, coach, and manager is vast and varied. We're excited to bring him in here. Uh, his steady demeanor and knowledge and many years in the game are going to work in our favor. Either one of these guys they went with, they were going to get a guy that has more history and more experience than Matt Williams. So is it an upgrade one way or another that way? And what do you think about Baker's history and then you kind of, you know, the baggage he brings with him to the nation's capital now? Well, Obviously, you know, I mentioned Baker has been a manager for 20 years. He's taken three different teams to the playoffs. Um, he's uh, he's captured one National League pennant. So, um, you know, the, the pedigree on its surface is terrific. Um, I mentioned some of the polarizing things um, about Baker, and, and obviously the classic is the one where he talked about how he didn't like guys that, that, that took bases on balls because all they did was clog the bases up. Um, 
<laughs> you hope that, that since he made that statement in 2005 or 2006, that that his uh, opinion of, of on base percentage uh, has evolved. Um, there's a very interesting study. Um, I think that Fangraphs did it. Or I'm not sure who did, but so, someone performed a study about how Baker uh, handled his pitching staff. And, and the, the one number that always uh, shines very brightly is, is during that stretch with the Cubs when he had it, when he had had starting pitchers throw over 120 pitches in, in a particular game over 30 times th- that one season. Um, the, the line graph shows how he steadily backed off of that as he grew as a manager um, to the point where he was back down to major league average by the time his tenure with the Reds ended um, on starts over 120 innings. So um, whether the game evolved and he went along with it or he evolved uh, the way he thought about handling starting pitchers, um, but it, it, he, by the point, uh, as I said, by the point his Reds tenure was over, he was basically league, league average with how he handled his starters. Um, every manager, even veteran managers, um, you know, which Baker certainly qualifies, but you know, guys like Joe Torre and and Joe Girardi and, and and some of your more classic managers, everybody has their excuse me, their pluses and minuses. And obviously, um, Baker's pluses is that he's um, um, very winning in the clubhouse. Uh, he's always had very good respect with uh, with his players in the clubhouse, and, and that right off the bat is one of the things that um, that whoever was going to be hired as the Nats manager um, is going to have to reestablish that trust between the manager's office and the players because it had been completely severed by the time that the Matt Williams tenure was over. So, um, so it's good that they've they've got a good clubhouse manager. Um, as a tactician, we're going to have to wait and see. Like I said, there's a lot of of, of historical minuses against Dusty Baker, but there's also evidence that he is learning as he grows as well. So um, let's let's get him into the dugout, and 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 we can we can debate it um, once the season starts. But again, these were the discussions we should have been having, as opposed to the how we got here type of thing. I'm trying to remember who it was on the Washington Post claiming the eights. I should know. He just said that you're, you're you're not ready for Barry Bonds as a hitting coach. So uh, they got rid of the whole coaching staff along with Matt Williams. Now they bring in a veteran who has a you know long history in the game as a player and as a manager, a coach before that, 20 year history as a manager. Uh, Bob Nightingale said his phone was ringing off the hook for, from people around the baseball world that want to be involved in that. Obviously, it's a good thing to bring a manager in and give him the opportunity that Matt Williams didn't really have to you know put his own staff together and. Personally, I hope Barry Bonds doesn't end up being the hitting coach, but there is the history there with them. Anyone else you've heard or you think should uh, be brought in as part of the coaching staff, uh, bench manager in particular, anyone you know that uh, he might bring along with him? And you think any of the Nationals' uh, previous coaches are going to be back next year? Uh, I don't think that any of the Nationals' previous coaches are going to be back next year. I mean, that's the easiest question for me to answer at this point. Um, a couple of the longer-serving lieutenants have been reassigned within the organization already. Um, I just don't see uh, Dusty Baker not having history with any of those guys um, to, to ask those guys to be in his dugout. Um, the only one possible exception might be Randy Knorr. Obviously, he's a fan favorite, but um, but he was moved up into the front office, so um, it might be a case where uh, maybe Randy's tired of sitting in the dugout at this point. So uh, I, I fully expect a completely new um, the coaching staff. Um, I don't have any other names that, that I would like to see added to it. Obviously, um, you know, you want to find a pitching coach that 
um, that has had experience that that is um, that is a, a good video guy, uh, someone that um, someone that can help guide these players more than just you know trust what you've done you know all along type of thing, which really was was Steve McCaddy's uh, mantra. Um, you know, you got here for a reason. Trust what you do. Go back and do it. Um, that's one way to be a pitching coach. Another way is to see, hey, maybe we can try to fix something here to make you a better player. Um, so, I, you know, I, I'd like to see a, a veteran pitching coach. Um, as far as a bench coach, um, you know, Baker's been doing this for 20 years, and obviously he's got um, he's got lieutenants that he's going to want to bring along. So, um, whoever he decides to to, to, to ask. Uh, it's it's a very appealing gig. I mean, you know, this Nats team has a lot of talent. Um, you know, it, it underperformed last year largely due to injury um, and the dysfunction in the manager's seat. Um, you know, it, it's a it's been to the playoffs three times in the last four years. There's no reason why it couldn't go right to the playoffs again next year. Um, you know, so I'm sure a lot of people want to be involved in this, and 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 it's an appealing gig, and and it's probably the reason um, why Baker was able to. Um, swallow whatever amount of pride he had to, knowing he was the the second guy to be offered the job and still be able to and still you know want to take the job. This is obviously just the first step of many the Nationals are going to need as they do something of an overhaul. Uh, there's been talk of adding a left-handed bench, uh, left-handed bat to the lineup. Bryce Harper in particular said that that's something they need to get. Uh, I don't disagree with him. Uh, there's been some chatter about the catching, about not being necessarily happy with what R- Wilson Ramos did when he finally was able to stay healthy last year. Uh, his defensive numbers earned him a spot on the final three for a gold glove, but still a lot of questions about plays at the plate. I know one of the Washington Post writers was joking about that. Um, his bat just didn't kind of live up to what was expected this year. Uh, fourth and fifth starters are still a question mark for me. I'm going to hold on, hold on to my dream of Zach Greinke joining this rotation until he inevitably signs elsewhere, but I still am not totally comfortable with going in there with Joe Ross and Tanner Roark as the fourth and fifth starters, assuming uh, A.J. Cole is not going to be in that mix. I, I'd be surprised if he was at this point, honestly, though I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's up at some point next season and does a little better than he did this year. But where else do you think we're going to see uh, additions here? I, I neglected to mention, which is probably the biggest one that they have to completely overhaul the bullpen. Uh, do you still think Papelbon and Storen are out this year? And the hole that leaves behind is pretty huge. And as much as I'd like to say that they're going to just bring in a bunch of good relievers and kind of sort out the roles as they go along and match up and everything, there's not a whole lot of that going on around the league. And pretty much it's, people are still sticking with roles, even though they talk about just going with matchups towards the end. So what do you see the next steps here, and where do you think the Nationals really need to address going forward? Well, obviously there are some places where they need to address the the, the, the lineup, and, and you mentioned some of them. Uh, sorting out the fourth and fifth pitcher, I, I certainly think Joe Ross has a hold on one of those spots. Um, I wouldn't mind them seeing seeing them go out and uh, and sign a veteran guy, um, you know, to, to hold down one of those spots until Lucas Giolito, um, Eric Fetty, Reynaldo Lopez are ready to, to push that person out. Um, you know, maybe a uh, – um, maybe a Marco Estrada type, a guy that, that was here before, but um, but obviously um, has had some success both in the National League and the American League since he's left um, the Nats. Um, a veteran guy probably wouldn't cost a whole lot of money. Somebody that you could probably get on a two or three year deal at a reasonable rate, um, and that gives you a little bit more uh, veteran depth. Obviously, the Nats have some pretty good minor league depth, but um, 
uh, you know, it, uh, a lot of people like Tanner Roark. Uh, I certainly think that, that he would be, um, you know, uh, competing for that fifth spot. And, and, and obviously at the major league level, he's had more success starting than relieving. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there. Um, obviously, the bullpen needs a complete rehaul. Um, I certainly think at this point in his career, it wouldn't surprise me to see A.J. Cole move into the bullpen um, since you mentioned his name. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if the Nats re-signed Matt Thornton. He had a good year last year. Um, he's a little bit older, but he was still successful. Um, a, a veteran guy at the back, especially as, as a left-handed pitcher. Um, they need to sort out Papelbon and Storin. Um, I, I think they, they can only really um, realistically keep one of them um, as, 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 as silly as that is to say, I think both of them are closers. I think neither one of them um, would, would, at this point in their careers, um, should be asked to pitch in the eighth inning, as, as, as silly as, as that might sound. So, um, so they need to decide what to do there. Um, they need a shortstop. Um, obviously, the Trey Turner can win the job out of spring training, but um, you know that still remains to be seen. Uh, a lot of people think that he might be better off shifting to second base as a major leaguer. Um, but I think the Nets are going to give him every chance to, to win the shortstop job outright. Um, and, and if that does happen, he's the most logical uh, guy to lead off. I mean, he, of, of all of the, um, of the candidates for leadoff hitter, he's the one that has exhibited the best um, on-base skills of any of them. Um, so then you're looking at a true rookie at shortstop and your leadoff hitter, which um, most pennant and World Series contenders um, typically don't do. Um so if you if you go with Turner there, then you have to decide Anthony Rendon is he going to play second or third base? You know Escobar was horrible at third base. Do you move him over to second base? Do you try to shop him? Do you use him as a as a utility player? Danny Espinosa, um, second, short, third, utility. Um, you know, so there's so there's question marks on on that part of the infield. Um, there's huge question marks about how to handle Ryan Zimmerman and Jason Worth and who backs up. Um, you know who backs up that guy? Um, you know, is, is he? Do you, do you bring in a a a Brandon Moss type of guy that could play left field first base for you? Um, do you stick it out with with Tyler Moore, who has shown to um, to have moderate pop but but limited success overall? Um, Clint Robinson obviously had some success, but he's brutal in the outfield. Um, there are some questions that, that need to be answered on this team, um, and and you you wonder how much the Ryan Zimmerman and Jason Worth contracts hamstring what the Nats would be able to do but to add position players. Obviously, we saw at the trade deadline last year, they went out and got Papelbon addressing a non-issue um, instead of addressing some of the issues that they had on the team as players were returning back from injury. And obviously, they did not perform the way that they would hope they would have that first month after they came back from injury. So yes, a lot of questions with the roster, but still, when you're talking about a roster that starts with Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, and Bryce Harper, um, it's still a very attractive job for anybody that would want to come in here to tackle it. Yeah, well, no, we also, with all of those questions that you listed there, we didn't mention Michael Taylor, and I'm not still completely comfortable with the idea of him being the everyday center fielder from the start and would kind of prefer at this point until he's a little more, uh, got a, some games under his belt, more at-bats at the major league level under his belt, that he'd be the fourth outfielder and they bring in another outfielder who can play on an everyday basis. But where they find the, that outfielder who's going to split time with uh, Taylor and Worth, assuming that those guys aren't going to be out there every day, Worth and Zimmerman, that is, at their age and with their injury history, I think you really need to make sure you have someone who's willing to accept that role and, willing to play those games and be competitive in those, you know, 
when they need him because they obviously needed an extra outfielder a lot last year and didn't necessarily have the guys to fill that role. Um, also, I haven't found too many people who agree with my take, and I think yours too, that Trey Turner, if you think he's the shortstop of the future, should be the shortstop on opening day, and you just forget about the future Super 2 status and worry about that when it comes to it and pay him whatever you need to if you think he's going to be there every day. You start him at the beginning of the season and you have him out there to get all the jitters and you know get him comfortable at a level. He started slow at every level, like Rizzo has pointed out more than a few times. So you want to get that out of the way if you think you're going to be competing at the end of the season and not bring him up mid-season or in June, you know, July, whenever it gets you an extra year and then have him getting that stuff out of the way in the middle of the season. That's something they struggled with this year when they were bringing people into those roles with injuries and kind of working everyone in at the same time. And I think you want him there from the start if you think he's going to be there every day. But I, I think Michael Taylor is probably the bigger question for me right now. Well, I I, I tend to agree with you. And I think that um, we know a couple of things about Dusty Baker. Number one, we know that he prefers to have a set lineup every day. We know he, that he prefers veterans over younger players. So we um, have to wonder how that affects uh, Turner and Taylor coming in. Um as opposed to Taylor, I, I think um, I think I disagree with you on Taylor. I think I'm more comfortable with Taylor um, starting in center field, playing center field every day, um, and getting used to the the everydayness of, of, of the major league major league level. Um, Michael Taylor is not a leadoff hitter, though. Michael Taylor is a is a six or seven guy, a guy that um, has 20 home run power, 20 steal. Uh, stolen base capability and solid center field play, uh, but his on-base skills are atrocious. So if the Nats are coming in thinking, okay, um, our center fielder has to be the leadoff guy, um, then they're already putting themselves in a hole. So um, I, while I agree that they that they need to add an outfielder that can play center field and can um, give Jason Ward days off in, in left field, um, I don't necessarily think that the Nats can look at this and thinking, okay, we need to have a starting center fielder um, so that Michael Taylor can play left and right, left and center field um, as he adjusts to being a major leaguer. Because right there, you're talking about spending money on an everyday player, um, and I don't think the Nats are willing to do that when they think that Michael Taylor is the starting everyday center fielder. Uh, same thing goes w- w- with Trey Turner. Um, you know, if you start him in the minor leagues to delay his his arbitration. Um, then you're talking about having a jumble in the infield um, and then bringing him up in, in, in June or July or whatever um, to be your everyday player. Uh, I don't think that serves either the player or the team um, a whole lot in that scenario. Um, again, we know that Baker likes to have a set lineup. If you think that Trey Turner is going to be your shortstop in August, he ought to be your shortstop in April. Yeah, and the idea of starting the season with Anthony Rendon at third, which I'm hoping they stick to. They said they're going to do it at the end of the last year. Uh, Zimmerman at first, and then Danny Espinosa and Yunel Escobar, and one side or the other of the middle of the infield is, is not too appealing to me. And uh, I have a hard time imagining that's what they're going to do, but it could very well be what they do if they're determined to, you know, delay uh, Trey Turner reaching arbitration by keeping him down a little bit longer. But the next big, big decision they have to make in the next couple of days, qualifying offers, Doug Pister, no chance they offer him one in my book. Uh, I wouldn't take the chance that he's going to take that $15-plus million contract. Denard's fan, still a question mark, though I, I doubt he's going to get the qualifying offer. Zimmerman and Desmond, Jordan Zimmerman, that is. I, I'd be amazed if they don't get them, but what do you think going forward? That's the next big thing we're going to see from the Nationals, whether they extend qualifying offers to those four. I... I 
if I were doing it, I would do Desmond and, and Jordan Zimmerman. Um, I think that they might offer Denard Span a qualifying offer. I think that would be a mistake. Um, but but there's no way that, that Doug Fister gets a qualifying offer. I would hope not, because he'll definitely take it. And <laughs> you're going to be paying $15 million for a middle reliever. Uh, before we wrap up here, going into this, when they narrowed it down to uh, Bud Black and Dusty Baker, I was pretty much noncommittal. Either of them are managers for sure. Uh, no one in this that they talked to really excited me all that much, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, there was some, there's, there's not a lot of names out there this winter that were going to get me excited. Uh, I'm just trying to rack my brain and think of anyone that could have done it, that would have excited me. I think two years ago, Cal Ripken would have excited me if they gave him the chance. They gave him Matt Williams, but once you give Williams that chance, you can't go back to another manager with no experience. And Just the PR of that alone would be awful if you brought in another one that failed. And I think Rizzo would be putting his job on the line doing that if he did it, so... If they were going to do it with Cal Ripken two years ago, I would have liked to see him get a chance, but there's no way I, I even thought for a second they were going to do it this time around. So I have nothing against Dusty Baker. I just watched him pretty much his whole career. I, I know him pretty well. Everyone seems to like him in the media that talks about him. Players seem to like him. He seems to have a history of you know, being able to manage a team with Barry Bonds and, uh, on it and uh, who's uh, – second base, and I think Jeff Kent at that time, being able to handle those egos, probably prepared him well for what he's going to meet in Washington, but was there anyone out there who excited you? Are you happy with Dusty Baker as a manager? Are you just, as I am, a little disappointed that this ended up being a big embarrassment more than anything else as they got their new manager, but all anyone's talking about is a dysfunction in D.C.? Well, my pick from the start was Bud Black. I mean, you know, his his history is as a as a pitching coach and then as a manager, um, appealed to me. He always um, was hamstrung by what uh, um, by the, the roster limitations that he had in, in San Diego. Um, but your, your point of, of um, being excited about somebody out there, um, you're right. The list of candidates that, that seem to be um, being interviewed right now, um, not particularly thrilling. Uh, the one name that intrigued me was Dave Martinez, Joe Madden's longtime uh, mm-hmm. bench lieutenant. Um, there's a guy that I'm, I'm a big Joe Madden fan. Um, if Dave Martinez has learned anything from Joe Madden to be able to bring as a major league manager, I think that would have been an interesting selection. But, um, but Rizzo was not, was not in a position to hire a first time manager this time. I mean, he absolutely had to hire a veteran manager. Um, and we saw that by the two finalists for the job. So, um, you know, the, the, the idea of going with, with an exciting new guy uh, just wasn't there. You mentioned the whole Cal Ripken thing. Um, I honestly don't think Cal Ripken's ever going to be a major league manager. I think he likes doing what he's doing. Um, if somebody offered him a team president job, he would probably be challenged by that. But um, but I think at this point in his career and his life, I don't think Cal Ripken is ready to, to get back into a uniform and sit on the bench. Um, uh, but but again, um, this managerial search was about finding uh, the best fit as a veteran manager. Um, whether that is Dusty Baker remains to be seen. Um, I'm encouraged by um, by the positive things that that, that that media and former players are saying about him. Um, some of his history, I'm not as encouraged by. Um, at this point, I'm going with with an open mind about it. If if Baker has been able to learn things uh, throughout his career. Uh, to correct some of the previous problems, 
um, then obviously then it's a good thing. But if it goes to the point where he, he's leaving Strasburg in to throw 125, 130 pitches, um, and he's asking Michael Taylor to lead off every day, uh, then my concerns uh, will, will be. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That scenario just really dared my stomach for a moment. Yeah, I'm sorry. You just really got me there with the idea of killing Strasburg and leading off with Michael Taylor all season. Let's hope that's not how it ends up. But the Nationals do have a new manager. Dusty Baker is the manager of the Nationals. They're going to introduce him Thursday morning, 11 a.m. They're try to be down there in D.C. to talk to him, talk to Mike Rizzo about all that's gone on in the last week. But we'll see what happens going forward here, see which coaches he brings in, kind of rebuild that staff, rebuild the bullpen, and see what the Nationals do going forward. That's nightly sponsored by the District Sports page and federalbaseball.com. Any last thoughts before we sign off here, Dave? No, I think that's it. Um, you know, it's going to be an interesting, uh, like you mentioned, with the qualifying offers, and then once we get to the winter meetings and free agency. So, um, you know, I'm sure that we will talk again very soon. All right. That's nightly signing off. Okay, so let's go next.